This is episode 54 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. I came through the fading light to find this, to stop them. Having found them, I could not intervene for fear of causing fatal interruption. Melanie? All I could do is wait to see which of my men would die. Jamie or Frank. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. My name is Mary Larson, and I'm your host, along with my adorable husband. My name's Blake, and I, I don't even know how to react. Yeah. I, re- I really don't even know how to react. That, that was a that lot. Was, that was a good good episode. Uh, I feel I, bad saying the word good, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, considering what happened, sure. But, you know, it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, it, it again, it, it feels like Outland is getting back on track. It feels like we, we have things that, that actually matter now to the story. Um, it's not just set up anymore. And wow, man, blackjack getting nipped in the giblets is uh woof, baby. That that is LJR, little Jack Randall. <laughs> little Jack Randall ain't feeling so good anymore right now. Wow. Did not see that coming. I did see the duel coming. Mm-hmm. Totally, but woof. Not little Jack Randall. Right in the twig and berries, baby. That mm-hmm. ooh, yowza. Um and which I think does complicate things a tad. Why? Um well, he just got the John Wayne Bobbitt treatment. I don't almost. even know what that means. You don't remember? You don't remember John Wayne Bobbitt? Nope. You don't. You really don't remember that. When was that? What? Th- this was. Uh, oh, geez, this was probably mid to late nineties. Uh, John John Wayne Bobbitt was a husband, okay. and he, it, his wife caught him cheating. Okay. So she came into the bedroom one day when he was sleeping, and she chopped his winky off. Oh, I was probably and in he, elementary school or junior high school, and my parents wouldn't even let me watch anything if it wasn't on PBS. And, and then she took it, Wait. and she drove. What? And then she threw it in a field. <laughs> And then he had to get it reattached. Stop. Swear to God. Look it up. John Wayne Bobbitt. There it is. Well, as a interesting fun fact, today- uh, Today actually, is sponsored by John th- Wayne Bobbitt. No, no, today actually marks the first successful penis trans- transplant. Oh, that's right. Oddly enough. It was enough. done in Massachusetts. So I just felt it was fitting due to today's nature, but we that is the end of uh, of- <laughs> This kind of conversation, but I just want to let you guys know that was trending on Facebook, and I was like, "Wow, interesting!" After what happened on Outlander. Oh wow! <sighs> Let's talk about our <laughs> that, good, that, bad, great. This conversation started off really weird. You know, it's hey, that's that's um, what happens. Yeah, that's Let's what Blackjack talk about does to me. Our GBGs. What do you got, my love? My good was that duel. That duel, uh, yes. was magnificent and. So uh, gut wrenching. Um, mm-hmm. Claire's reactions to it, and then I don't know if those of you who I mean I assume a lot of you got to see that the after, like where you get to like delve a bit more into the scene, and come to find out that 
Tobias and Sam did the majority of that choreography. That they they yeah. practiced for days on yep. how to do this duel, so it made me appreciate it even more. Right, and I, I thought the choreography was very good, mm-hmm. and uh, I like the emotion that came behind it with both of the guys. Yes, like when when Blackjack held his hands out and she's like, "How's she gonna forgive you?" Like, oh, and how did she forgive? Oh, how did she forgive you? And like, and he's like, "Huh?" Like you could just see it in his face. Like it was, they, you could tell that they were tired too. Like they were falling oh, yeah. down, and it was a real like duel. I'm sorry, continue. My bad was the amount of blood and then the discussion of the quartering. And even though we needed it, and I know that this is not a new thing for Outlander to have blood, I just have a weak stomach, so I just get grossed out. A little bit. And my great was how emotional this episode of Outlander made me. Right. I you know, I love when a television show can move you, and this episode moved me. How about you? What's your GBG? My good is the continuing growth of the Fergus relationship. With all of the characters, whether it's Murtaugh or it's Claire or it's Jamie, uh, I've really come to appreciate how these characters interact, how it's it's it is a father or mother son kind of relationship. But it's more than that. Mm -hmm. It's it's deeper than that. It's like uh, it's like it's like my bro. He's my buddy. And I want to take care of my watch out after him. I, I, you know, I love him. And it's more than just. Father, son, mother, son, uh, and how they interact. Uh, I think it's cute. I think it's, uh, you know, he's like, I'll, I'll get your guard. I'll, I'll watch your right and all that other stuff. Very cute. The bad. Um, when the hell did Jamie and Claire all of a sudden become best friends? They're married. Again? What do you mean? I know. But, you know, the way that the last episode ended, it was, <laughs> yeah, don't touch a, me. You had a knife doer. And then yeah. now yeah. we're rubbing feet. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, and... <sighs> Well, I'll get into that later, but how... how uh, I'm going to stop you. Okay, have there been days where you and I get into a pretty heated argument, but then the next day we're okay? Yeah, sure, but this was this wasn't just a heated argument. This was, this was Claire manipulating Jamie, and manipulating his very core and fiber. But as lasts. we found out, Jamie actually did it for his own reasons. You know, not even his own. But, but still, she she still manipulated the honor thing and the life thing, and she still did all that. Mm-hmm. And that is that is. So you just don't understand bothersome. how they could go from that to now being. Yeah, well, and all and her belly did grow. Holy smokes, did it grow! So if it if it was one of those things where the belly grew and it's trying to tell you, oh, it's been like a month or two since this argument happened. Okay, fine. I'm I'm I actually totally understand. Where they're where they're coming from because, you know, after a month or two things things mm-hmm. let go. You know, they it happens. Yeah. Uh, but if it was like the next day or like two days later, I I don't care how that bump happy bumped. they are. Yeah, I mean, unless she popped overnight, like <laughs> some people do. Um, I mean, and popped like big time. I don't think so. But the great, uh, the great was um, Metin Hussein's choice for his reveal of blackjack randall and the red coat uh, and 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 not showing blackjack randall saving that for the duel mm-hmm. but showing the coat hearing the door close seeing fergus's reaction uh and as much as you know as much as what that uh scene entails how awful that whatever the action is uh it was represented fantastic it was a great choice it was probably 
uh, I would say my favorite choice of Hussein so far. Ooh. I actually really liked it. What do you got for the kilt rating, my love? My kilt rating was another five. A fiver. I cried. You I did cried. Cry. She did cry. It's a five. <laughs> She's wiping her eyes. If you and... can make me cry, you are definitely a five. So how about you? I'm giving it a 4.7. I enjoyed the episode. Um, the whole thing with Jamie and Claire at the beginning, without a little bit more context, uh, did throw me off a tad. Uh, but I got to tell you, I-, I liked the previous episode better. And that so far has been the bar for me. That was That's the high watermark. And uh, that I just I feel like that's the way to go. Well, we had a, a lot of feedback on the kilt ratings. Lots of feedback. Oh my god, you guys were great this time. Yes, Anne Livingston said I will only give five kilts for not showing what happened when Randall entered the room with Fergus. I reserve the right to retract those kilts if they show it in a flashback. Mm. The rest of the episode was so boring. I wouldn't even give it a kilt pin. <laughs> oh no, I tried to like it. I really did. I want the show to continue, but someone has to breathe some life into it. So mm. there you. Go and that's interesting. Um, Ruth loves birds tweeted that <laughs> she would give it five kilts continual action, high stakes drama, and focus on Jamie and Claire's relationship. Art Geek, Art Geek 85 also tweeted, I give it 4.5 kilts because of the two unnecessary scenes with the executioner and Louise. Wow, man. And I did a um poll on Facebook actually uh-huh. about to see how many kilts people would give it. And the average was 4.5. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I think it's deserving of a 4.5. Uh, my love, are you ready to get into the uh, discussion of the episode? I always am. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I should have expected that. I don't know why you caught me off guard. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm here. Tell me some fun facts about this episode. So, as I said earlier, this episode was directed by Metin Hussein, and uh, he actually has, it, it, with the last episode, became the uh, most prominently used director in all of Outlander, and this just furthers uh, it furthers that record. He has directed The Watch, The Search, Through a Glass Dockley, Useful Occupations and Deceptions. Not in Scotland anymore. This episode, and it looks like he actually has uh, one more episode this season. I think it's the next one. They one probably... of my favorite writers wrote it, Matthew B. Roberts. And, you know, I got to tell you, I, um, I've i kind of, like, not been on board with Matt Roberts' writings um, for the past few episodes, I mean, he did the search and the reckoning and the gathering. I did not like those episodes as much as others. Um, he, and for just for a frame of reference, Matt Roberts also wrote for uh, the television show Caprica, which was the prequel to one Battlestar Galactica. So say we all. And he also wrote for another show called Hellcats too. Um, but I will tell you, this has been my favorite episode by Matt Roberts so far. It was it was actually fantastic. I thought he did a great job. Uh, and not a lot of VO, by the way. Um, yeah, just that last just bit that, that you actually played in the in the clip in the and beginning. It, and it was useful. It told you. Yes. It told you something that you wouldn't be able to know offhand, which because, was... I'm sorry, go ahead. Exactly. Because right now, I would have been like running in there being like, excuse me, boys, put down your swords. <laughs> but for Claire to say, I couldn't, because if I said something, literally that could mean someone would die. Right. Right. And, and, that would be, and you wouldn't know that. I sure didn't. And uh, it was good for her to... It was good for her... The, the the choice that they made was I have to choose between Jamie and Frank, but when she's looking 
at Blackjack Randall, it's like she can't see the difference anymore. Yes. You know, and how scary is that? Mm-hmm. How scary is that for Claire? Um, I, I really liked that choice. Uh, there was, however, something I wanted to bring up. A listener uh, talked about uh, how it, it was like this. Um, it was like this discrepancy uh, regarding Claire's belly. Oh, uh, the, and how the belly size. It, and how it just got so big out of nowhere. And then there was a listener that replied, and, and I'm not calling you out, but I just wanted to give you some information. Diana Webb uh, on Twitter says, yes, it's like they, it, they they need a woman in editing for consistency. Something or most things we watch, uh, we catch men do not even bother with. And Diana, I just wanted to let you know that actually a woman did edit this episode. It was Melissa Lawson Chung. Uh, and she actually has edited five episodes this particular season. So I just wanted to let you know that a woman a woman did edit it. And, um, you know, don't, don't blame many, it on men. How many months did she look to you? Now, you've seen me pregnant twice. You've seen other pregnant women. Right. Uh, I, I'm going, I'm giving her like a eight to nine month job here. I'd agree. And yet not close enough to be, oh yeah, the baby could come because Mother Hildegard did say, you know, as you know, it's normal that you might bleed occasionally. You might leak occasionally at this point and the yep. baby's is probably turning around. So you're looking in the mid thirties week, sure. like 30 to 35, 36 In last episode, week. I would have said- Six months. Yeah, so we'll just pretend that a whole month has gone by. Yeah, I, I would say so. And, and as long as as long as we look at that like that, it makes sense. It yes. makes sense why Jamie and Claire are back to normal again. Then why can't that make sense? Can we just believe that that they pushed the bump bigger, so we're supposed to believe it's another month further? Yes. So sure. they did make up. Sure. Okay. There I'll, we go. I'll get I'll get on board. So with you that. no longer are upset that Jaren, uh, Jamie massaged Claire's feet. <laughs> no, no, I'm not upset. It was just it's jarring. It's jarring to go from don't touch me to all of a sudden rubbing feet now. Well, maybe instead of them putting like one month later as a little, you know, thing at the bottom of the screen, they did it with the bump. Yeah, no. And that's actually smart. That's actually really smart because, Mm -hmm. again, it's not holding your hand. It's making you meet the material halfway, which is what I like. Mm -hmm. But again, to go from don't touch me to rubbing feet and... Oh, hey, remember that conversation we had? No, but I took it as this is how much time has passed. Even the way that Claire walked in this episode and that shot when she's in the hospital. Oh, yeah. She's literally wobbling and how Jamie needed to massage her feet. Whereas last time she was dealing with some upset stomach and needed to eat some grapes. You know, so we went from second trimester. (laughs) I'm hungry (laughs) to, oh my gosh, am I big? This baby is, and and tiring her for Mother Hildegard to be like, you should not be on your feet right now. Like, Mm -hmm. you need to lie down mm-hmm. so i took the bump to be where we were in time and which is why i'm okay with them making up sure so let's talk about some truths some, what, what some, we got? some truths that came out in this episode um jamie finally tells murta loved it loved the whole thing finally you Lo- know we just- we Sorry, God. We just have so much love for Murta, and we we, we exchange it quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And we've been feeling really bad for him. And God, has he been pulling it off really well, like sucking it, sucking it up? But like, seriously, guys, why don't we just slit his throat? Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved the scene. I loved that it was in Gaelic. I know that this is a mixed opinion, but I love that we don't even know what they said in Gaelic. I was fine with that. Because, I was fine with that too. 
I thought it was a really nice nod. I liked Claire watching them in her. Do you like the maternity wear, by the way, that she wore in this episode? <laughs> Did you see how it was, the, the outfits are very different? They yes. had like extra little pleating. Yes. So Jamie came out with his truth to Murtaugh. And then Murtaugh, of course, has that moment with Claire where he's like, you lived through all these years. Now, you had some interesting insight in that scene. So, of course, Murtaugh writes down every single year that Claire's been alive. I yeah. don't know why he had to do that. No, I feel like he did. that was the only way he could wrap his brain around the fact that it'd be like it'd be like if someone came to you and said, hey, I'm from 2050, you know, or whatever. Uh, no, I'm from 2250. Um, guess what? And like you, you, your brain would... You wouldn't even know how to grasp that. Yeah, but this wasn't even the point that you brought up, and I thought it was so brilliant. Oh no, I know, said. I agree. What I noticed was as they are talking, there are servants mm-hmm. in the background. There were two. There were two of them, and there was one guy just plain in sight, right, right in camera, just sitting there. Now, you know, whatever. I mean, could he really hear the conversation? Perhaps not. But Murtaugh is still going around saying, "You're from the future." And Claire was saying, oh, this was when I was born. This was with the First World War. And um, I know what happens with the Jacobites. And, and he's saying, well, I wouldn't want that burden, which was beautifully delivered, by the way. Mur- Murtaugh, he, it was, he was fantastic in this scene. Uh, he was genuine. He uh, understood. Even with the scene with Jamie, uh, it was, I, I understand where you're coming from, Jamie, but why didn't you just trust me to begin with? And he gave him a good whack. Uh, and it was great because Jamie had to make that choice to tell Murtaugh and how do they, how do they tell him uh, in, in the way that they could relate together uh, most directly, which is through the garlic. And I really appreciated that. But getting back to the, uh, to the Claire and Murtaugh scene, yeah, there were servants around. Don't you feel like these guys were going to hear this? Not only were there servants around, but I sat there. Once you pointed that out and you were like, why are the servants okay listening? And of course, we had that thing in the beginning of the episode where we just got this blanket statement of how Jared trusts these people, so we're going to trust them. But I was sitting there saying, man... Now the servants know that she's a time traveler and Murtaugh hasn't known all this time. I know. <laughs> like literally they've kept it from him forever yep. and just strung him along to France and had him do all these things that he doesn't understand. And yet they're so easily talking about time travel in front of these jamokes that they just met. So uh, I, I felt, know. you know, but you're right. Maybe they didn't hear. So we'll but, I mean, they maybe they hear. did, but still, it's still running a risk, right? <laughs> it's still running a huge risk. Yes. So, I mean, I... Pfft. Hey man, Murtaugh's the man, so I'll take that. But I really, I really did appreciate these first few scenes mm-hmm. uh, with Murtaugh and Jamie and Claire, and even Claire telling Jamie, "We got to tell him," or, or Jamie telling Claire, and then Claire saying, "I yeah. was thinking the same exact thing." Well, speaking of Jamie and Claire, yeah, Jamie had then a truth with Claire mm-hmm. about that it wasn't her him owing her a, a, a life you know right. i've saved your life multiple times as well so that's bull let's just call it what it is i decided not to do this because of the bonnie prince right and he, I, I do have a couple of things that i don't like about this i mean i loved how sam delivered it uh, again the delivery was amazing and the thing i actually i recall most is when he's doing this whole monologue mm-hmm. you were going you said Oh my God. Yeah. And like I had no idea what you were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. But eventually, obviously, I asked you, what was that about? And you said, oh, this was in the book, but the way he delivered it 
was amazing. Was, it was amazing. It was beautiful. When he, when he and it said, made sense. It made perfect sense. It did for him to come out and say, you know, it's because of the Bonnie Prince and how somehow somehow this buffoon gets people to believe in him. Right. And we've tried to stop him left and right, and we still haven't stopped him. Right. And I'm nervous that something's honestly going to happen, that people are going to find a way to give him money, even though we're trying everything we can, and that colliding will still happen. And I'm looking out for you and our baby, and I want someone to take care of you who who loves loves you. you. Yeah. Yeah, that scene, exactly. I, as a book reader, I know what Jamie's going to say. I know what's going on. But holy smokes, Sam Hewen. You had me captivated. I felt like I was Claire. I felt like he was sitting there saying, I need you to promise me to go back to Frank. Mm -hmm. I need you to promise me this. And I was sitting there being like, oh, Sam, how could I? (laughs) (laughs) All right, calm down, lady. Calm down. I'm just saying he he did it so well, Mm -hmm. so beautifully, that that was the first time I cried. I really appreciated uh, what Sam did. It also really made me appreciate uh, Jamie, uh, and not because, you know, Jamie's the king of men or whatever, but that is something like, I always feel like, you know, when you have a spouse that really, really loves you and says, listen, if I die, please, please, please go be happy. Please find someone else to be with. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to just stick at home and, you know, be miserable and, and hate your life. And I really appreciate that uh, for, from Jamie. I thought that was great. But the one thing I, I took issue with what Jamie said, and it's not because it's not true or whatever, but it's actually the way that the Bonnie Prince has been portrayed in this version of Outlander. You know, he, Jamie makes it seem like this guy actually has charisma uh, with some people and he does have this ability to um, to bring people to his side. And I'm not seeing it. Maybe it's the actor. We're seeing him in a brothel drunk all the yeah, time. <laughs> no, I know. I know that. But, you know, historically, and I hate to be like that that history nerd. we like, well, you know. Um, but historically, the Bonnie Prince was a- an attractive guy. And he had this charisma about him where people would follow him for whatever particular reason. He wasn't this mousy little nerd boy that this actor is. Uh, and... And, and the actor's doing a fantastic job. I feel really bad for you saying that. I think he's doing a great job. No, no, job. I mean, he's doing a good job. I think he's doing what the writing intends him to do. Yes, yes. And and I think my, my issue is with that. It's hard for me to believe Jamie when he says, somehow, someway, this guy gets people to follow him. I mean, you look at the Duke of Sandringham, and he's saying, this guy's a moron. Like, But he's saying that because Jamie planned that event. Had Jamie not had them over for dinner, yeah. the Duke might have financed him. But, okay, but, and then he found other people. So what Jamie is saying is, we know he's buffoon. People when, who meet him sometimes figure out he's buffoon, but he still is able... Like, think about it. Well, I, like, I, I want you to answer me this. All that aside, mm-hmm. you see this guy sitting at a table, and he's saying, I'm going to lead everybody back to uh, Scotland and we're going to take over England and it's God's will that I'm that my family the Stuarts return to the king just just that alone Mm -hmm. you're looking at this jabroni do you follow him are you like wow this guy has some charisma if you're like he's like George Clooney and (laughs) in Ocean's Eleven with Brad Pitt like do do you look at him like that I don't, but I've seen him as a drunk buffoon in a brothel. I mean, look at Louise. But, but, but Louise, aside from all that, just the way that he looks, the way that he carries himself, the way that he speaks, the it just doesn't seem if, like George Clooney, Ocean's Eleven. If I was a believer that God chose the rulers, and if he lined up with my faith, mm-hmm. you bet. You bet. I'd say, yeah, bro. 
Oh, I don't know. I just I don't. I, I think he's a buffoon. I totally do. And but once again, we're seeing him in the brothels, drunk with Jamie, and it yep. is hard to believe. But yet, that's why we needed to be reminded that people have been willing to back him. He's not even a buffoon to me. He's like a dingleberry. Like Dougal. Dougal has been spending all this time raising funds. Dougal, who's really freaking smart. Right. Okay. Right. There are some smart people. They just. How many of them actually get to meet the king? Like yeah, two. probably none. Two <laughs> percent. I bet you. The, I bet you. Dougal. No, Dougal hasn't. I bet you haven't even met. Exactly. Uh, uh, the Bonnie but that's Prince what yet. I'm saying. That's how he gets his money. Is he's from people who haven't met him. <laughs> <laughs> I know we haven't met, but give me ten thousand pounds. How's that sound? Thank you. <laughs> Um, while of course they were having this conversation, Frank's theme was playing. Oh, loved it. And he touched the belly. And of course, then we had that scene too, where he said, you know, can he hear me? Mm. And he feels the baby move. Oh my gosh. What a special, amazing moment. And then of course they have sex again. It was very sweet. And he says, he can't wait, can't wait to meet him. And as a dad, as a dad going through that whole process, that felt real to me. That felt genuine. Mm-hmm. And all of Claire and Jamie's interactions this episode felt genuine to me. Very. You know, the first four episodes or so, I'd say maybe the first three, it didn't feel as organic. It felt like uh, they were just they were, they were pumping through story for the sake of pumping through story. But now we're finally getting to the meat of the core of this relationship what it means for Claire and how she's blurring these lines between Jamie and Frank. Oh, it, you know, it broke me when he was doing all that because, of course, we know what happens at the end of this episode that mm-hmm. the baby is in jeopardy. So for him to be doing that and for us book readers to know that this episode is not going to be ending very well. Mm-hmm. Jamie, of course, is being brought off to prison. Mm-hmm. God, it just made me so incredibly, incredibly <laughs> sad. So I wanted to, you know, start the episode by talking about the truths that had come out. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that they were able to do was uh, <laughs> their big scheme, their big plan to make uh, the comps people look like they have s- smallpox. Right, right. And and one of the things that bothered me about this was that we spent so much narrative time saying, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to we're gonna do uh, the smallpox thing. And then it kind of just gets thrown to the wind. Like the Bonnie Prince is saying, well, Jamie, you're going to have to, you're going to have to take the wine. Like all the work that they had done kind of was all for naught. Yeah, but that's what sucks. Exactly. They put in all this work. Jamie even got sick. Mm-hmm. And Fergus, of course, endangered himself, but he's so great at it. He's, <laughs> he's such a little sly fox that he was able to do that. They got everyone sick. They thought it was all good. And then he still got caught. And I hate that the Compt was was saying, you know, it was like saying, I don't trust him. Right. I'm going to have to stick with Jamie. And then I'll come up with a very, very quick idea. I mean, that was really thrown together quite quickly. Yes, it to was. To dress Murta up. I love that Suzette that, dressed and him. that whole scene. Oh, my God. Oh, he, right. he was like a... Uh, like a five-year-old kid who just hated everything about life, mm-hmm. you know, in the way he was pulling up the vest and and like he's, <laughs> it's restricted my movements, you know, like he just hated everything all about it. And oh, he did. And, and a good, another good character moment for Martha. Mm-hmm. And they were able just to hire these random guys to yeah. join his gang. <laughs> it's just these randos <laughs> I love off it. the street. 
how about we pay you in wine? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Just show up in some really nice looking clothes so we can pretend to be the gang. Oh, man. Oh, man. So tell me tell me a little bit, uh, though, about your reaction to Suzette saying, hey, let's get you, let's get you undressed. Well, I thought it was cute because she was dressing him. And then she got to undress him. So I was like, oh, that's really cute. Do you think it's inappropriate of her to do that I in totally front of their do. lord and lady? I totally, totally do. Yeah. Like, we know. Like, Suzette knows that Claire knows. Claire walked in on them banging with her boobs just f- hanging on out. So, yep. but you're saying it in front of your lord and your lady. Yep. Who you, in the first episode, were like, please mess up your bedding. Please. Like, trying to be so formal with these people. And now you're going to just blatantly say like we're gonna go to my room and shack up for a little bit guys yeah. <laughs> before before he goes and endangers himself on the other hand now that i said that murtaugh was the one as jamie said that was putting his life on the most da- in the most danger sure so maybe you know at least suzette could say oh i probably shouldn't have said that out loud but whatever you could get caught so you know i liked this episode a lot because it, it had a little bit of everything that outlander does well you know it has um the, it has some good comedy to it, you know, with, with mm-hmm. the Murata thing. It has good uh, drama with, you know, Jamie and Claire, the duel, the comps and the conversations. And it also had this good spy craft again. You know, remember how I liked when they were doing the spy craft against the Bonnie Prince Charlie a couple of episodes ago and they were stealing his mail. Uh, they had more of that again with, you know, sending Fergus to do the wine and to uh, to, to make uh, the fake um, smallpox. Yes. And then Claire doing the science uh, creating the smallpox, teaching Fergus, and having the, those cool little bits that would have been o- overlooked. Like if if you weren't paying attention, you would have missed Fergus constantly trying to touch Claire's everything. concoction, touching everything, and he just couldn't stop touching stuff. It's like me. And Claire kept taking his hand and, and moving it and saying, "All right, that's enough." And he did it again, and she moved it again. And then he's playing with the gauze, and he's like, "Would you just pay attention?" Uh, it was good. It was funny, um, but it also had the sci-fi element too, which was. Claire telling Murtaugh, hey, I'm from the future. Check this out. Mm-hmm. It it was a thriller, sci-fi, dramatic, comedic episode um, that it, it all worked well. All the stories, which it could have, in my opinion, it could have collapsed under its own weight because they were trying to do so much. Even though it, it did feel a little bit like of a transition episode, uh, I, I feel like what happens next is is what causes the major pivot uh, for season two. Uh, I, in, in fact, I would probably say what happens next is the re- results in them. Well, I, I don't want to say that. Okay. That's my old manager's theory. But I, I feel like this is where the this is the episode before the pivot where things change and probably, in my opinion, change for the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it could have collapsed under its own way because it has to set all that up. It still has to tell a, a specific story. And it has to show you the fall of Claire and Jamie yet again. You know, it, you left off last ep- last episode with with a, a big problem, and it kind of had to rebuild their relationship, only to have it be problematic again towards the end of this episode. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but with all that in mind, with all the stories that they're trying to tell, all the plots they converged at one moment when Blackjack sees. Fergus and then everything that had been building up converged right there and then just exploded so now 
Let's talk about that scene. You, as a non-book reader,、yep. you said, "Wow, what a coincidence that Jamie gets called to the brothel." Yes, and of all the places in the world, Blackjack is there at this brothel. I will say this. I will say this. I I I did have a conversation with Mary about this, and I said, "Wow, Suzette all of a sudden just shows up in the nick of time to tell Jamie, 'Hey,'" uh, Bonnie Prince is. He's not paying、up. his tab. Not paying his tab. You don't see the Bonnie Prince at all. You don't see anything. All you see is Jamie go and talk to uh, uh, the the brothel owner,、um, and that's it. And then Fergus goes into the room, and it, and then all of a sudden, it just so happens that Blackjack is there, and it just so happens that he does this to Fergus, and he did, and it also just so happens that Jamie, as he had told Murtaugh, had just told. Blackjack's second in command. Hey, listen, this 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 duel ain't happening. And See, you know, you know that really pissed Blackjack Randall off when that happened. You know he wanted to give Jamie the death that he thought he owed Jamie, right? So all this all this stuff just happens. It felt like, man, I think Suzette's double dipping here, and I don't really, I'm, I don't like this lady. <laughs> um, but. I, I don't know. I, it, that was going to be my outlandish theory of the week that Suzette is working for Blackjack Randall,、uh, but I, I'm not sure if I'm going to go. I'm not sure if I'm going to get with that one.、Hmm, interesting. You know what I mean? I do. That scene was so magnificently shot. Right. <sighs> it was good because it was patient with itself. It、mm-hmm. sh- you know, as, as soon as Fergus was going down the hallway, you knew something bad was going to happen. You know, because nobody is listening to Jamie. Nobody wants to stay put. Nobody wants to do exactly what they're told. They just keep doing their own things, and everybody's getting in trouble because of it. Yeah, you know, Claire gets in trouble.、Um, the only one who kind of listens to him is 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 Murtaugh. And look what happened. He's fine. He's going <laughs> off into into Spain to sell <laughs> wine. Gonna gonna see some good Portugal、uh, Portuguese ladies. You know. <laughs> oh God! But you said as soon as、uh, you knew as soon as.、Uh, Fergus walked into that room, and he picked up that little bottle. Oh, and you instantly it was lavender. Yeah, you said lavender. I knew it. And I was like, "Oh my God, Blake is so on top of this." <laughs> of course, we pan over and see his red coat, and then we see just the door close. If I if I had one choice, if I could change one thing about this entire episode, as much as I loved this reveal,、mm-hmm. there was one thing that could have happened that would have made it better. What? I think it was perfect. No, no, it was very good. You know. Instead of、uh, Fergus walking into the room and then him walking out of frame and then the camera panning to the left to see the coat,、mm-hmm. what I w- what I want what what I would have wanted is the coat to be in frame but not focused on,、ah. so that when Fergus comes in walks and walks out of frame to the bed, and then all of a sudden you see the camera. Focus on Refocus,、that. and instead of looking at the background where Fergus was, now you see the foreground, and then you would see the red coat. Yes, and the the stripes on the and the the buttons and stripes on on the sleeve,、mm-hmm. and then you would have been like,、oh, dude, it was right in front of my face. I didn't even know.、Mm-hmm. Like that would have been freaking awesome. I agree. That would have been great. Oh goodness! Well, just. I'm gonna I'm gonna change gears to the topic that I hate the least. Okay, what do you got?、Um, just all the blood. 
All the blood. <laughs> you know, a lot of people hated the whole scene with the executioner. I actually really liked it. Well, I liked it aside from the fact that I wanted to vomit nonstop. <laughs> right. Like literally. She's like, tell me when it's over. Tell me when it's <laughs> over. I can't watch it. Not even watching. Just him describing it. Right. Yeah. What a great actor, too, to talk about like how how important and how much science it is and how it's mm-hmm. really... You know, that is skill. Yep. And it's the, the rush of the crowd when yeah. you pull out the you have beating to entertain heart. Them, you know? Yes. Reminded me of Gladiator. Oh. Are you not entertained? You know, that's what it reminded me of. So then of course we have that and Claire then like bled later in, in that in the hospital scene. But Claire from this learns that the king is just going and killing people who right. are um with the mystical arts. Or the black arts, the black yeah. magic or whatever. So she goes and warns Master Raymond. The, yeah, the way that I took this was if remember, if you recall last episode when, you know, Master Raymond takes Claire to the back of the store, uh, his his servant says, hey, the, the gendarmes are here and they're looking in here. So go go to the back. Mm-hmm. The way that I took it was the king knows about Master Raymond and the executioner knows Claire and he knows that Claire has a relationship with Master Raymond. So what he does because he likes Claire is he says... Yeah, you know, where well, I'm doing this, and uh, but maybe the better company would be Master Raymond because he doesn't want to kill Master Raymond because you know it would hurt Claire. Yeah. And the way that I took it was it was a veiled threat to Claire being like, hey, get your shit together because I'm going to have someone's going to have to answer and they're going to have to answer to me. And then also, it's telling her to get your get your buddy out of here. Does that well, make even, sense? Yeah, and even when he said, you know, um, I don't know if he was talking about the hanging or whatever, but he said men or woman. Right, exactly. And he and I was like, is he threatening her or is he warning her? It was a I think it's a little bit of both. It's a it's a veiled threat, but it's also a warning to to say to get your shit together. It just goes to show you all those people watching Claire, and I say it every time she goes to visit Master Raymond. She walks up those darn stairs, yeah. and everyone's <laughs> looking at her. Everybody stares at her. Yes. Mary and I have gone back through this. Look at it. Every time she walks up those stairs, somebody either gives her a flower or tries to, and <laughs> and stares at her on the way up. You know, every single time they're going and telling on her. They're saying that new woman. Right, and the fact that she's already under watch, mm-hmm. people are already people already know that she has this relationship. Yep, she's getting herself into trouble, and it makes me wonder if she's going to have to answer to the king for this eventually. Like, if he knows something's going on, she's going to have to answer to him eventually. Mm. Because she, you know, it's it's not by chance that the king has noticed Claire, in my opinion. In that red dress, how could the, you? Uh, well, not? The red dress and this and that, but it's not by chance that she keeps having these interactions with him, and it's not by chance that we have gotten a chance to meet him too. He is going to come into play somehow with this, um, with with Claire and this black magic thing or whatever. I'm not I'm not exactly sure how yet. Interesting, but it's gonna it's gonna happen. Oh, I got an interesting. Ooh. You did. That's yeah. Yeah. All right. I like so that. the last topic I want to talk about is the duel. Yep. Is the the pregnancy. Um what an amazing, amazing sequence of her getting into the carriage. First of all, the way <laughs> what? So I was just thinking of the carriage getting out and Tokyo drift. I thought it was fast and the furious. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> but just all of, you know, all of the color out of Claire right. was out. 
I mean, even as soon as she came home, I mean, she is so exhausted just from being eight, nine months pregnant. And Suzette even knows this. And she jumps in the carriage and they keep yelling, hurry, hurry, hurry. Gorgeous shots of that carriage running. Right. You know, and I also liked, too, when she started walking into the apartment and all the servants are there. Like uh, Magnus is like, hey, lady, Uh, what's going on? I'm just uh, going to go back to my spot in yeah. the doorway now. And even Suzette's like, so uh, you want something to eat? You want to take a bath? You want to drink? Hey, guess what? Jamie's out. You know, like yes. uh, he's just trying to avoid anything, any way to upset her. And and you, the way that Claire looks, you see how she is struggling both internally with the news that Jamie has, you know, at least in her eyes, betrayed her uh, it betray, and, and betrayed, excuse me, betrayed a promise that he made to her. Uh, but also, she is really struggling physically with that baby and being that far pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it's it's clear when she's bleeding. She's pushing herself she's way too way much. Too high. She's working way too hard. Even even Mother Hildegard knows that, telling her to relax, lay down. I mean, she not only stayed that night, but she came back in the afternoon. Right. When she comes in, she says, good afternoon. So right. that's how long Mother Hildegard said, you need to lay down before you even go home. And you know she was sent home and was told, you need to go back to bed. Yeah, of course. And that was the last thing she does, of course. Go in a crazy carriage ride. Yep. And her heart. Tokyo drift style. <laughs> and, and it's like a piece of her heart breaks. Yeah. And you could see it, and and the way that they shot this was fantastic. Of course, when they're going through the city, they they show, uh, they show the carriage and everything. But as once they get out of the city, uh, and they start going, getting to the woods, the camera, you know, Hussein cho- chooses to keep the camera on Claire, and you see the struggle, you see the physical struggle, you see the mental struggle, you see the white in her face, the blood rushing out of her face as as it's happening, saying. I can't believe you did. You promised me. You promised me. Hurry up. I can't believe this. Yada, yada. This was fantastic. And to boot, to get everything, to make it that much better was Bear's music. Oh, this yes. is where Bear's music really hit home for me. It was frantic. It was uh, It was fr- It was. was frenetic. It was uh, fast-paced. It, was, uh, it felt like your heart was racing as Claire's was racing at the same time. Uh, I couldn't, I, I really, really loved the choice. And I also loved the shot too of the carriage going over the bridge. The way that actually Steve McNutt returned to be the DP for this episode. Uh, the way that they lit the shot um, and th- how the carriage was coming through and little bits of light were yes, poking through yes. to the bridge. Uh, really, really spectacular. Um, another thing I really liked that Steve McNutt did too was when Claire was having the conversation with Murtaugh. Uh, when he was saying, hey, you lived through all these years, mm-hmm. the way that he lit it was Murtaugh's face was half lit and half black. Yes. Uh, and to me, that spoke to what Murtaugh was going through. He was half in the dark, like literally, like uh, of his knowledge. He It was hard for him to reconcile both the knowledge of the light and then the ignorance of the black. So he was halfway through, whereas Claire's face, for the most part, was completely lit. Uh, I really liked that choice as well. I thought that was fantastic. But the duel itself with the with the mist and the way that it was lit, it was like gray. It was um, it was uh, it was shot frenetically too. It was shot with this motion camera that catches high motion, like high fast motion. So it, it feels visceral. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really liked that. Did, did you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, gosh, just as you were saying, the music, the lighting, it was just all on point And it really pulled at 
all of our emotions in the exact ways that it needed to in those right. scenes. Right. That duel, once again, fantastic. Loved. Absolutely loved the emotion that those actors were able to portray. Yeah. I don't know all the whoever was standing on the sides just watching this. Yeah, just a bunch of dudes, more jabronis. I especially loved Claire stumbling and having um, Magnus support her and keep going and how much her body was even hurting her when she finally does call for Jamie. And she tries to, but she can't. Yeah. She can't because her body, like, she, like, it, like. It reminded me of when you were in a nightmare. Right. And you're trying to scream. Right. And you can't because nothing's coming out. No. And that's how it made me feel. And this is, of course, another part in the show where I got very emotional because that's what I thought. I thought, this is how you feel in a bad dream and nothing is coming out. It is a bad dream to Claire. It's It's, it's something that's completely surreal. Mm -hmm. You know, you go through your life thinking, you know, I don't have to go through duels, you know, number Mm -hmm. one. But then you make a promise with your husband, the person with whom you are most directly connected, the person who is on your side, the person who loves you no matter what who has your back no matter what. And for all you know, he just decided, eh, I feel like doing this because I feel like doing it. And I can't take it anymore. It's all it's all too much. So I'm gonna go fight Blackjack Randall. For all you know, that's what happened. You don't know about you don't know about Fergus. You don't mm-hmm. know about any of that. Crap. Claire doesn't, yeah. Yeah, Claire doesn't. Obviously you as the viewer does do. Um the one thing I really liked about this too Again, I, I said this earlier in the episode, which was I really liked how they, um, how realistic the duel was. Uh, they they fell, they were tired, they were breathing heavy. They were. Uh, it wasn't like Star Wars, you know what I mean? It, it, like Episode Three with Anakin and Obi Wan, they're they're just constantly winging their lightsabers back and forth, and they never got tired. And actually, the the real the realism in this duel reminded me. Do you remember Daredevil? Do you remember that scene, the fight scene in the oh, hallway? Yes. Oh, yes. Where like, uh, and you know, for you nerds out there who, who watch the Netflix version of Daredevil, there's this one shot, complete one shot scene of Daredevil fighting like 20 guys in a hallway. And, you know, he's going through the battle and everything. But like halfway through, he like stumbles and he falls and he's like leaning up against the wall and he's he's peeling himself off the floor and off the wall because he's dog tired. And I've, I loved it then, and I love it with this fight, too. It was realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't this the three musketeers kind of fight uh, that we were that we were privy to in, in uh, I think it was episode three or two. I forget which one. Um, but, yeah. Well, that is our recap. Well, we- I, you know, there, there is one thing I do want to say, too. And I, I'm probably... Oh, I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off when I say this. Then maybe we should just end it. No, 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 no. I'm not going to end it. <laughs> Listen, Claire goes there and we've been like, goes she to the forest. goes to the goes forest. To she sees the duel, you know, black jackets caught in the, in the giblets. Um, little Jack Randall, a little Jack Randall. It gets the, gets the tip cut off probably. Um, and you, I, I don't think that Jack is going to die from his wounds, by the way, even though it looks pretty bad. Oh I, I don't think he's going to die. Um, we've been talking about Claire's moral choice of trying to change history. Mm-hmm. Whether or not she is doing this selfishly, uh, and she even says as much, talking about Jamie and Frank. And she's blurring the lines between the two. 
And it almost makes me feel like this duel, Claire is to blame. Claire is to blame because when she has the when she has the choice to let Jamie go fight Jack Randall and kill him, and she chooses not to, because she's doing something that fits her own needs. She's trying to keep Frank alive. And she's trying to play God, right? She's trying both both Jamie and Claire, by the way. Both of them are trying to play God. They're trying to change history so that it fits their reality. But you're seeing that with every choice, there's an equal and opposite reaction. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. For It's not simple. It's not just, let's just prevent this war. It's the butterfly effect. And, you know, I... Uh, I just, I feel like if she had let things happen the way that they were supposed to happen, this duel wouldn't happen. If she were to let Alex Randall be with Mary Hawkins, if she were to find out that Jack Randall is there and like, if she were find out Jack Randall is there and, and that and she would let Jamie do what Jamie wanted to do, she wouldn't be losing the baby. She, it wouldn't cause her this much stress because when Jamie leaves, as soon as she finds out that Jamie leaves, there's an instant physical reaction. You see it. You see her almost fall apart on the, on the outside, but she braces herself against the disc. You can, you, can, you can feel the pain in her stomach. This, I'm not sure if she would lose the baby because she takes it so personally. She takes it so adamantly that Jamie has betrayed her, well, he, which she's not thinking. She's he, just reacting, 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 reacting. I don't know. That's It's it's a heavy, heavy, heavy topic. It is. And no, it I don't, is. I don't think that... I don't know. I'm and, like, and I'm it's, like it's, emotionally it's, beat up by it, so... Yeah, it's it's a hard thing to discuss, and it's it's a, it's a it's hard... Um, it, and it's, it's easy to understand how Claire can get wrapped up so quickly... In, in what's happening. Uh, it's easy to understand how she can take it so personally because, again, all she knows is that Jamie has gone to fight this duel dis- despite the promise that she's made. But, again, she's reacting. That's all she's doing. And then she's made these choices, and these choices are now starting to catch up with her. And uh, it makes me wonder what would have happened if she just allowed history to play out the way that it should have happened. Well, we can't ask that now. Because she's tried to change history, and this is now what's happened. And let's get to the listeners. Good, bad, greats, GBGs. Well, on Facebook, we got one from Frances Turner. She said, the good was the cinematography just Wow, every scene is visually beautiful and says so much in a single shot. The great, I'm sorry, the bad was this is truly reaching 
to find something to criticize, of course. But I found that Monsieur Forez veiled hint to Claire to get Master Raymond out of harm's way, just a bit out of sync with the rest of the episode. That said, it is important exposition. The great, of course, was the whole last sequence from Claire arriving home and discovering Jamie gone. There's something truly incredible, some some truly incredible writing and directing there, and both Sam and Kat got to act their little socks off. And a special mention to Stanley Weber for successfully mastering the look of swallowing the acid of frustration and rage every time Claire shows faith. Charlie. And uh, I'm sorry, Charlie shows faith in Jamie. And I got to tell you, Stanley Weber, as much as the comp really is, has just been a mustache twirler so far, he's really good. He is. He is like that look that, you know, Francis had, had mentioned it, that look that he gives, the, the intensity that he exudes, uh, he, it, it, you, you can't relate to him, mm-hmm. but you get that he's a dangerous dude. Lori Sales on Instagram says her good are all the tender moments between Jamie, Claire, Fergus, and Murtaugh. Mm-hmm. Her bad is Claire with the real housewives of the French court. <laughs> and her great is BGR getting what he deserves in the duel and Claire racing to stop it. What about Twitter? I just want to say the Real Housewives of the French Court reminds, reminds me of Bethany. <laughs> Get off my jock, <laughs> Bethany Frankel, of course. Yeah, I know. I uh, you know th- this scene was okay. I I thought it was fine. Uh, it was. It took a little while. It took a long time to develop, but it shows you the kind of difference and the kind of person that Claire is in comparison. How she's the fish out of water, mm-hmm. uh, and also juxtapose what she was doing as opposed to what Jamie was doing by raiding the wine. Uh, it, it, it gave you the differences there. On Twitter, Joanna Pereira says, the good was Jamie asking Claire to go through the stones should the time come. The bad was the episode seemed really rushed to me and the editing was off. Wow, another one I get about the editing. And the great was Jamie's Claire when he oh, drops the sword God. at the end of the duel. It broke my heart. And oh. it did. It was really good. It was and this, this, Sam Hewen. And this, this episode would have been like a four for me. But the last five minutes, God, took, it took it up a notch. Got wrenching. Got wrenching. Took it up a notch. My love, are you ready to go for the Kendra thought of the week now? Yes. All right, let's do it. Hey, Marianne Blake. It is Kendra, and hallelujah, my Outlander faith is restored. This episode wasn't perfect, but it was by far the best of the season. There really was something in it for everyone, and once I stopped crying, I was able to get some thoughts in order. First, either the writers in the prosthetics department are not at all on the same page in regards to the length of actual human gestation, or Blackjack was in the Bastille for a hell of a long time. That bump, especially on uh, Katrina's tall, lean, model-esque frame, is at least eight months along, a substantial increase from last week's episode. And while it may sometimes feel like your baby doubles in size overnight, it actually doesn't. Claire is nearly starting to waddle at this point. I'm 5'3 on a good day, and I didn't start to waddle until seven to eight months, and my baby bump started somewhere around my chin and went down to my knees, or at least that's what it felt like. So unless BJR was in the clink for about two months, or uh, someone seriously missed the boat here. 
Speaking of baby bumps, we finally got to see some of the wonderfully tender moments between Jamie and Claire that we got in the book uh, featuring said bump. My favorite moment of the entire episode was Jamie talking to Claire's belly. I needed to hear Jamie say win needed it. I also needed the, am I going to poke the baby in the head convo? Because honestly, is there a couple out there who doesn't have that conversation at some point during the first pregnancy? However, again, we're kind of ignoring the passage of time here because Jamie and Claire have supposedly been intimate again now since she was five or six months along. And he's only now asking this question. Was the blue lit daybed scene the last time they had sex, or has the thought just now only occurred to him? Has he just mindlessly been braining his progeny for the last two months and finally figured he should ask if he's doing any permanent damage? And before anybody says anything, yeah, I, I know you're not actually poking the baby in the head. Um, the other issue I had with this episode is the whole fake smallpox nonsense. It was dumb in the book, and it remains dumb in the show. Myrta has the right idea. Just knock off the Bonnie Prince and have done with it. Claire's protestation about making a martyr out of Charles sounds less like a legitimate claim and more like an excuse to the viewers. Historically, and even as Diana paints it in the book, not even James II was all too keen on another uprising. Most likely, Charles gets knocked off and all of his yes-men finally breathe a sigh of relief. Boom. End of story. But we needed to see Claire Claring and Jamie and Fergus adventuring, so we get this convoluted plot device. We could have done without it. At this point, at least, I'm glad we didn't get an elaborate diorama of Fergus in BJR's room. But I don't know that I trust this team not to give us a horrific flashback. Uh, they may just be trying to distance it a bit from the previous assault. We already are given more information at this point in the story as viewers than book readers had, as most of the information comes much later. Jumping around a bit, I loved the scene between Jamie and Myrta in the courtyard, especially because we don't hear their whole conversation, and thankfully we aren't bombarded by pointless voiceover. Instead, we're left to focus on the incredible score here, with the low-tension-building drums. It's also interesting to note that Jamie doesn't disagree when Myrta says, you believe your wife to be a witch. So, just how much of Jamie's La Dame Blanche tale is based on his actual feelings? At this point, is there anyone who actually thinks Claire is just your average woman who wandered up the wrong hill? We'll have to see. We finally get the executioner's warning, but taken way out of context and again, pointing to suspicions of Claire's being a witch. And I don't think this is only because of the La, the La Dame Blanche rumor. Book readers will know that this was actually a warning to Jamie, who was with Claire for all the juicy details. He was talking about treason, not the dark, dark arts. So this was a deliberate co-opting of the story to divert our attention to witchcraft, centering it on Claire and Master Raymond. We're taking a less herky-jerky path to where we need to end up, but still reaffirming our sense of true peril. This scene in the book is a major freaking wake-up call for Jamie and Claire, and here it serves a similar, if redirected, purpose. Finally, the duel and Claire's hemorrhaging. As a book reader, I knew it was coming. As a mother, knowing it doesn't prepare you for seeing it. And I've got to tell you, as the credits rolled, I just sat there and sobbed. It wasn't perfect, though. Jamie all but tripping into BJR's naughty bits with the point of his sword felt less like the vengeance we needed him to exact and more like pure dumb luck. 
this week was bad, and by bad I mean great, and next week will be worse, and by that I mean better, uh, but I'm not sure what uh, shape my emotions will be uh, in by the end of it. Either way, I'm looking forward to seeing how Ron Moore and company have shaped the rest of the story arc and the closure of our time in Paris. With that said, I'm going to give this 4.9 kilts for this episode. I'm holding back because I am expecting next week to be a five kilter. Um, can't wait to hear your thoughts. And Mary, I'll be singing scrubs to myself for this foreseeable future. Thanks, guys. Salut. All right, Kendra, thank you so much. As you, you guys know, uh, Kendra is the editor and chief editor and yeah, editor, editor and in, in, in chief or in. and in. in yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Okay. Editor in chief of the Outlander cast blog. She's really smart and she's got her own podcast uh, called Beyond the Stones in which they talk about Outlander and uh, everything else on this planet that they want to talk about. She and her husband. Uh, So that's that. But my love. Now's the time. Now, now is the time for your outlandish theory of the week. So I want to let you know before I give it to you that the, this Outlandish Theory of the Week is brought to you by Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery. For over 60 years, Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery has been making traditional Scottish baked goods with contemporary flair throughout the second season. But Outlander, they will be offer a special menu of Outlander-inspired delicacies. And of course, they ship throughout the U.S. You can order anything and everything that they offer online at ackroydsbakery.com. Uh, you can... V- Type it in your your little URL bar or go to outlandercast.com and just click on the button that I have there for them. And uh, you can go to ackroydsbakery.com for more info. And while you're there, tell them that Mary and I sent you and use the coupon code OUTLANDA to get 5% off of your purchase. Are you ready, kiddo? Always. All right. So Jamie now has this issue. He was caught dueling with Blackjack Randall. He has multiple things that are going on against him right now. He has one, the dueling part. Number two, he has potentially mortally wounded Blackjack Randall. So who knows what happens as a result of this? Does Jamie get tried? Does he get uh, con- uh, does does he get charged with uh, you know doing this like hurting Blackjack Randall and the dueling? How many things are going to be going against him? Not only that, but we also have his relationship with Claire falling apart because of this dueling thing. Does, does he get the chance to tell Claire what happened? Do we, are we even privy to that? Here's the thing. Obviously the show cannot continue without Jamie getting out of the Bastille, which is probably where he's going as a result of this dueling thing. My guess is that Jamie gets arrested but either the Duke of Sandringham or the Bonnie Prince Charlie will vouch for him and then send him back to Scotland to get out of France because the king probably, as a deal, would probably say, get out of Scotland, get out of France, go back to Scotland. I don't care if you have a, I don't care if you have a, um, a price on your head. Get out of my country. So they send him back to Scotland to prepare for the rebellion. And that's why I think you'll end up seeing Jamie fight in the rebellion. And that's why I end up, I, I think that Jamie tells Claire to, to go back to the stones because something bad happens in the rebellion. 
Well, that's a very interesting theory. I got another interesting. Wow, not bad. And uh, for all the listeners out there, I changed the exit song and um, sound for the Atlantish theory. And guys, and this was this is pretty much right here, all for you. Mock me. <laughs> Every time I play, I get an Outlandish Theory now, I'm going to put the Mark Me sound. That's just how it goes. Perfect. My love, uh, what are your final thoughts on this episode? I have been clicking around on the Ackroyd Scottish Bakery site while you've been to just to like distract my face so I didn't give anything away during your Outlandish Theory. <laughs> and I'm looking I, I really there. believe in this one. I should ring the bell right now. And you know what? I'm ringing it. That what? I'm, I'm ringing the bell. That bell. Part of it. Oh, by the way, I'm going to ring the bell again. Because I was right. Jamie and, Jamie and Blackjack do duel. That was an outlandish theory the what, week as well. What part of your outlandish theory? All of it you think the, is going to be right? The whole thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I, I like that you gave yourself a pre-whistle, pre, uh, what is that? Ding, 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 pre-bell. Yeah. What, you think I'm, 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 I'm like premature? And doing the and, and doing the bell. I'm a book reader, and I'm oh just saying. Oh my god! I'm telling you, I really believe this one. This is fantastic. I that's, think you're just trying to you're just trying to pull a Yui on me. That's great that you're trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy this week of of thinking these things are going to happen. I'm going to ring the bell again just because. <laughs> All right. So you ready yeah, to close out my, the show? My, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. What about my final thoughts? You got the final thoughts. You're right. I apologize. Um, my final thoughts are that I'm really excited mm-hmm. because I have now given two episodes fives and I just want to see it keep on coming. Right. There you go. My final thought is I got to get out of France. I got to get out. I got to get out. I got to get out. Uh, and if we get out, which I think will be next episode, like we'll, we'll stick in France for the next episode. And then after that, I feel like we're heading back to Scotland. Um, and if that's the case, unless something big happens, while they're there and legitimizes the reason why they were in France, uh, it would have felt like we were spinning wheels Mm -hmm. in France. And uh, that, to me, when you spend half of your season spinning wheels, that's a detriment to your show. Uh, And uh, that's scary a little bit. So something big has to happen to legitimize all the time spent in France. And I'm not even sure if, like, I, I, I was talking about Matt Roberts earlier and how I haven't liked his episodes. I don't think it's because Matt Roberts is a bad writer. I think he's a good writer. But the 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 source material that he has to that he has to adapt. Watch, watch yourself. I, listen, l- listen. <laughs> all the people for the Church of Diana. I'm not saying that Diana is bad. I'm saying some of the things that she has written, they're they're just not totally compelling they have to adapt it and they have to do the best that they can like the search is just not compelling um you know the watch just not compelling it just it just isn't um so when you put that in tv you know and, and matt roberts unfortunately has had has had the pleasure of uh adapting those particular episodes um so when i when i get down to it is is France the most compelling part of what Diana is trying to tell you in Dragonfly and Amber? And I think it's not the writing of the show, but per- perhaps the source material for the first half of Dragonfly and Amber. Well, of course, without reading it, I, I don't know. It's just my guess. All right, my love, you ready to close out the show? Yes. Let's do it.
to head on over to OutlanderCast.com and make sure that you are signed up for the OutlanderCast newsletter. This is how you are going to be certain of getting any news from us, some great blog posts. You can also get in touch with us through it, but head on over to OutlanderCast and you'll see a big thing that says sign up for our newsletter. It might even pop up. For those of you who have signed up, thanks a lot, guys. It really means a lot. Yes, it does. And it's a great way to just keep in touch with all the things that not only that Mary and I do, but what the blog does and all the writers there, but also any any um, opportunities or products that Mary and I come out with on the Mary and Blake store, it will come straight to your email. And uh, get in touch with us also, too. Uh, we will be doing our listener feedback episode, uh, and we want to hear what you guys have to say. We want to hear about your thoughts about little Jack Randall and my, you know, potentially um, uh, controversial take that Claire is causing these problems herself. Uh, I want to I want to know what you think about that. I want to know what you think about my outlandish, outlandish theory. You can reach us all on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Smoke Signals, all of it. It's just all Outlander Cast. And of course, if the social media isn't enough for you, you can always reach us at outlandercast.gmail.com. Want to give a shout out to all of you recent listeners who have sent us some reviews oh, big on time iTunes. Numbers here. We are now up to 242. Remember, we want to get to 275. We by started the end at 233. Yeah, so Crazy. we had nine of you since our listener feedback episode. So I want to thank Mrs. Harry Styles 27, Shakita J, Caleb's Mama 2008, DBS Girl, Peg LS, Abeth Markowitz, and Emma DZ. And Saza two three two three. I caught two names in there. Shakita, girl, I love you. Yep. She's a she's a listener of ours from the Living Reminders podcast, and also Peggy, my girl from Newton. Thank you so much for uh, reviewing us. That is very kind of you. Ray, Mrs. Joe P, Cbus user, and Patty McD. Just had to get all the rest of those in there. <laughs> so those of you who have sent me an email with your address, you will be getting a letter soon from me in the mail. Yes, you will, hopefully. Until next time, ladies and gents, I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.